This week's episode is sponsored by the Harold Longchin Viking Memorial Service. We'll put you on a boat and set fire to it. For a reasonable fee of 98% of your estate, of course. Entry to Valhalla guaranteed. Not a guarantee. All the tabletop role-playing news. We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse. And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG. Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I am Russ, aka Morris, or Morris, aka Russ, and with me this week is Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Role Players. Russ, as ever, I am absolutely delighted to be here. But uh, keeping up with this amazing run that we've been having, we have a fantastic guest with us. Wow, a yeah. guest! Again. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's always like we get here a thing going on. How, how, how are we getting these people to come on our podcast? Are we sort of blackmailing them? Are we? Oh, uh... I, I just write them and ask them nicely, and they say, "Oh, okay then." Oh, um, okay. And it seems to work quite well. We have uh, Rich Lescoufler from uh, Ali Alligator Ali Entertainment. Hello, Sorry, there's too many owls in there for me. Is that, <laughs> yes, is that right, really? yes. Uh, the, mind, the mind behind Esper Genesis, which is D and D fifth edition in space. In space. I have to say it that way. It's, it, it's, it's doesn't. It doesn't you can't say it any other way, apparently. <laughs> it's the only yeah. way to say it. Fantastic to see you, Rich. Right. Would you, would you like to hear some RPG news? I, I, I'm going to start with probably your favourite type of news item, Peter. My favourite type of news item? Yes. You enjoy uh, a good announcement, don't you? But what makes an announcement even better? If it if it's entirely free of any sort of information, <laughs> and it's announcing an announcement, <laughs> which the folks behind Baldur's Gate Three have jumped on the announcement of the announcement bandwagon, and oh, they oh, have okay. announced yes. when they are going to be announcing the launch date of their upcoming game. <laughs> really? Okay. Really. So 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 when will they be actually giving us some information? <laughs> <laughs> right, so on Tuesday, yes. they announced yes. that yes. on August the 18th, at 10am Pacific time, they right. will be announcing yes. the launch date yes. of Baldur's Gate 3. Okay, lovely. Well, fine. <laughs> well, 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 I mean, that, that's uh, two minutes of my life I'll never get back. So, uh, yeah. no, I, I appreciate it. It's like, important to build buzz and so forth. But yeah. I would like yeah, to officially got... announce that I heard you just now. <laughs> oh, oh, it's gone meta. <laughs> so um, they're, oh. they're having a, a, a live-streamed panel with special guests and stuff, and I think uh, Chris Perkins from Wizards of the Coast is one of those special okay. guests. So they're making a little bit of an event out of it. Mm-hmm. But other than that, that's basically all the information we have. August 18th, 10 a.m. Pacific time, they will announce when the game will be released. Uh, the Ennies happened last week. Did they? They oh, did! Exciting. It's almost like uh, our friend of the podcast, Banana Chan, was uh, one of the MCs doing the red carpet. I didn't even know there was a red carpet. Neither did I. <laughs> Apparently okay. there's red carpet the Ennies. <laughs> How did does the red carpet, carpet work? The Ennies, Rich? Uh, no, no, uh, honestly, I, I did not. No, but me neither. I did notice there was carpet. There, there. That's important. It's good, it's good to have <laughs> carpet happens. in place, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like the bare flooring tiles, it's, it's just not such a good look. Yeah. So did you, uh, did you see the uh, list of winners? No, I didn't, I didn't see the list of winners because it didn't appear on Twitter, and therefore I failed to see anything, so no. 
Okay, so... <laughs> but i got uh, to say, that like, uh, they, they had like three of them, and they were wearing horns. Horns were very in this year, apparently, for role-playing game announcements. So I feel maybe we should like start getting some Viking helmets or something. We could, if that would, if that would make you happy. That would make you very happy. <laughs> so okay. the any so there was there was an online ceremony. Obviously, yeah. uh, it happened last Friday night, uh-huh. uh, an entire week ago now, which is such a long time ago when you take into account pandemic time. Mm-hmm. It, feel, it feels like a month. Years. Yeah. yeah, it was hosted by Robin D. Laws, mm. uh, Misha okay. Bushyaga. I think I'm not sure how you pronounce her name. Oh, okay, yes. Kenneth Height, uh-huh. Chris Spivey. Mm-hmm. Who's been on the show twice, I think? Yes, that's yeah. right. And Mike Pondsmith. Ooh, okay. Uh, so the awards were announced. Uh, the Gold Award for Product of the Year went to Mork Borg by Free League Publishing. Oh, yes, that's the death metal role-playing game. Yes, yeah, with yeah. the uh, yellow cover with the sort of skeleton goat thing on the front. That sounds amazing. <laughs> Mork Borg. Well, they also got Best Game with their Alien RPG. Ah, so you're a big fan of the Alien RPG. I am a big fan of that and game. That tension mechanic. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, they they pretty much the Swedes cleaned up there. They did really really Ooh. well. I mean, they they got a bunch of other awards as well for art and bits and pieces, so, um, layout and design for Morkborg mm-hmm. there, and yeah. Um, interestingly, there's nobody from Seattle in there. Oh. Okay. So there's no Wizard of the Coast, there's no yeah. Paizo, there's no Geek and Ronin, and there's no Monty Cook Games, and there's no Cobble right. Press, as far as I can make out. So right. the entirety of the city of Seattle looks like they sat out the Ennies this year. Okay, well, maybe they just didn't feel they had anything worth contributing. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, but apart from that, it's quite, yeah. it's quite a decent sort of wide suite of, um, wide suite of winners there. I'm quite, I'm quite impressed by that. Loads of stuff to check out. Moving on from the Ennies. Yeah. Uh-huh. Fascinating that the Ennies are because there was so much news to get through this week. Because it was a busy uh, week. Well, it was Gen Con last weekend, wasn't it? Uh, Post Gen Con. So, yeah. so there's quite a lot of stuff to get through. No announcements of products. Uh, right, Hellboy. Who's a Hellboy fan around here? Maybe Lil. <laughs> Maybe Would you Lil? be interested, therefore, in a Hellboy RPG? Is it done using D20? It is done using D&D 5th edition. Right. It and is. Ball choice. Mm, it's been published by Mantic Games and being produced okay. for them by Red Scar. And Red Scar mm. is the company owned by Mark Langworthy, who's the lead uh, oh. the, the line manager for Just Dread in the World of 2000 AD. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a whole, a whole network going on there. But anyway, so uh, Hellboy is coming to Kickstarter later this year. Uh-huh. Uh, along with a quick starter, a quick start containing six pre-generated characters. Yeah. Uh, you can sign up for a Kickstarter notification now. There's not a lot of other information at the moment, other than it's being powered by D&D 5th Edition. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, but Mantic Games did Hellboy the board game on Kickstarter in 2018, mm. and they got, I think it was like $2 million or something they raised. Oh, wow. Massive, massive Kickstarter. Wow. Yeah. So I'm sure this one will do incredibly well, too. Mm-hmm. There's a... Nice safe pair of hands with Mark on board. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, looks good. Yeah. yeah. No, I'll, be, I'll be back in that one for sure. Mm, uh, let's have a look. So much news on the screaming. Uh, so, Matt Colville, he was, he's a YouTube presenter who nice. did a Kickstarter about two years ago for Strongholds and Streaming, I believe. Raised $2 million. Strongholds and Followers, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, <coughs> he is launching with his co- with his company a new D and D magazine. Ooh, okay. So there's again, it's one of these things where there's not a lot to know about it yet, but it's uh, going to be Patreon based. It's going to be digital. It's going to be called Arcadia. And the managing editor editor will be James Intracasso, who was on the show two or three weeks ago. Oh. Um, and that's pretty much all we know so far. Oh, mysterious. Well, I can actually announce here that I am one of the content writers for... Oh, I did not know that. Well, there we go. Okay. Fantastic. News. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, tell us more. Tell us more. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> hey. Wow. That's very timely, Rich. I, yeah. I appreciate this. <laughs> I couldn't have planned it better myself. I guess, you know. <laughs> so can, can you can you tell us anything else about it then? Uh, I cannot, other than the fact that I uh, I am writing some of the content for it. Mm, uh, no. I know that they are planning on... They're basically doing like a test bed of three issues yeah, to see how everything works out. And then once everything, you know, but once they kind of have the strategy together, you know, they're going to, they're going to try for a year, but uh, it is from anything that I can say going to be filled with all types of, of D and D goodness, you know, Mm, it's, it's, uh, you know, I, I actually, I guess I can talk about that. The, the, the content that I wrote is, is an adventure. It's like a, like a, a short adventure that kind of yeah. has a, um, a certain, uh, unique spin on, <laughs> or, or, or not, or not seen in, in a very long time sort of spin. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So is it, is it D&D specifically or is it D&D tangential stuff as well? Sort of like your uh, own I, it's, it's going to be, from- it's going to be, uh, 5e. Primarily, yeah. Uh, stuff, yeah. So, so specifically, D and D. Well, fifth edition of Dungeons Dragons uh, magazine devoted to. Yeah. Um, didn't they used to have dragons for that sort of thing? Yes, they did use yeah. to have dragons for that sort of thing. Ah, okay, fair enough. Well, of course, there's Insider for that sort of thing. There is also, also Insider, which has been inside. going for about three or four years. I can't skip the opportunity to plug that. There. You probably should mention the product that you also make, <laughs> yeah. which is devoted entirely to fifth edition Dungeons Dragons. Yeah. It does seem like that would be sensible, <laughs> of which you've produced a couple of Kickstarters <laughs> showcasing like these sort of things that's come out of it. So, yeah. 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 Hey, do either of you two remember the D&D setting Midnight? It's like, going back re- re- quite a while. When you say remember, do you mean have I ever played it? No. Do I have a bunch of books uh, that I thought was really cool? Yes. Do I recall the name? That's about it. Uh, so it was a uh, third edition D&D setting. Yeah, so it was about 15, 20 years ago. It was the sequel to 11pm. <laughs> yeah. That's, right, I'll, get, I'll get my cat. That's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's, poor, that's poor even by your normal standards. <laughs> I, I know. I, I, it's low-hanging fruit. I, I can only apologise. So this is, uh, the basic concept of this is, imagine yeah. Middle-earth. But imagine yes. what the world would be like if Sauron had won the Great War and conquered the world. Ooh. So that's basically the premise. It's not actually Middle yes. Earth, but um, uh, it, yeah, it's, it's Middle Earth with the serial numbers far yeah, off because yeah. they couldn't get the rights. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's a dark <laughs> setting where yes. evil evil is in control. It's a world called uh, Eredain, E R E D A N E. And a powerful force known as the Sauron, I mean the Shadow, rose yes. to power. A legally distinct entity, <laughs> evilly, legally distinct dark overlord from Sauron. Yes, yeah. I mean it, it was really popular and it was really quite successful mm. back in back in back in the day. Um, it was produced by Fantasy Fight 
flight games back in like 2000 and something early. Mm. It, 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 yeah, it looks really good. Sort of like you're playing uh, the French Resistance against uh, the terrifying might of Mordor. I guess, and yeah. Those jumps, yeah. Pretty much, uh, yeah. I, uh, what about it? Oh, no, I was just mentioning it. He just goes off on one side of the other side of the It's, 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 it's coming Dragon back. Lance. Don't mention Dragonlance, so he's just gone. <laughs> oh, yeah, you, you'll, you'll get me on a tangent if you start throwing that in. No, uh, <laughs> waiting for that to come yeah. So it's coming back in 2021 next year. Yes. Uh, oh, okay. It's going to be called Midnight Legacy of Darkness. It's going to be for D&D 5th Edition. Uh, and that's pretty much all we know so far. Um, there's a few little little de- bits of details. Uh, magic's much rarer than in standard 5th edition. Yeah. And carrying anything magical is punishable by death. Okay. Uh, other notable features include new player options. A signature feature of the setting was the idea of the heroic path, which is a pseudo-prestige class that characters picked at level one signifying their dedication to rebelling against the shadow. Well, you said many words, of which I <laughs> all individually. <laughs> well, I'm sure people who played the original setting are going to be yes. pretty familiar with what that means. Yes. Yeah, it uh, kind of sounds like I, something on the back of one of the old novels that you read. When you're, mm. you're like, oh, yes. okay. <laughs> Well, it, it, sounds, it sounds interesting. Yeah, yeah it looks quite interesting. I mean, it's uh, it looks gr- it's grim darky for those that like mm-hmm. that sort of thing. So, um, which, I, which, which you know, it's uh, I like grim dark stuff myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got a lovely cover as well. It's got like this. It's got this sort of helmet that looks very similar to the helmet that Sauron um, wears in the Lord of the Rings films. You know, so big like metal? a big helmet with like a solid nose guard, and these, yeah, uh, and it's like it's darkness inside, yeah, yeah, and, and it's uh, quite spiky, I uh, guess. Yeah, yeah, ish, and then it's got this sort of leatherish kind of. I don't know whether that's an actual leather cover, leather type cover, or that's just the pattern, and it's just a standard mm. one. But it looks like a leatherish cover with like smouldering em- embers in the background. Oh, bit of a leatherette cover. It does or, look or, nice. Or it does look very nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, let's. That's 2021. So 2021, yeah. That's Next year. Living out that. Okay, Good. that's good. Yeah. Uh, right. Uh, there was a... Oh, uh, there's a... Have you seen the wheelchair for D&D for the edition? No. Uh, no. Is this a mobility aid for people with disabilities? Uh, it's, no, it's a, a sort of inclusiveness thing. So basically, it's a combat wheelchair in-game. Combat wheelchair. Oh, okay. So yeah. that you can, you can play... Um, um, disabled characters. Mm-hmm. Do they have like sides on the wheels or something? Um, yeah, I guess. Yeah, um, let's have a look. So it's by someone called um, Sarah Thompson. Mm-hmm. Uh, allowing characters with disabilities to more comfortably traverse the fantasy world. It says the combat wheelchair can withstand high impact and even mm-hmm. work as a weapon itself, providing the user with a means of both defense and attack. Gloves. Ooh a rear backrest compartment for storing gear, adjustable elements to make the user comfortable, tough tyres, optional mm-hmm. floats for traversing water. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That, just, that just look kind of cool. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, this is, I mean, sounds perfectly plausible. You've got, like, carts for stuff. Why not have a cart for persons? Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's homebrew. It's not official in any way. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. It was kind of fun. 
I won't be happy until it can, you know, you pull a handle and it turns into the mighty servant of Luko. Interesting. I want it to be like one of those James Bond cars that turns into a submarine. <laughs> well, possibly we're talking about the adventurer model when you get up into the higher levels, then you get the full tensors floating disc sort of thing. <laughs> like, um, what's it, Professor X's floating floating chair i i mean you've got like flying cities mm. it must be much easier to make a chair float i guess yeah i'm down sounds yeah. good hey do you remember when we did that starfinder game on an exit yes so at the time it was literally just a demo wasn't it It was like a sort of 20 25 minute free demo yeah, available yeah. and that we, was we, all we there played was. through the whole thing basically yeah yeah um, have you heard, have you heard about this rich i have not no uh, do, oh, do, it, do you have a, an alexa an Amazon Echo. I do. So okay. I'm not going to say it out loud, but if you say <laughs> the name of the device and then say yeah. open the Starfinder game, yeah. that should launch it. Wow. Yeah. I'm not going to okay. say it now because Alexa will just like jump into... I mentioned the A-words. Yes, you're called. <laughs> you want so, me to buy the whole Starfinder catalogue and deliver it to your door? Well, certainly. I'd be delighted to. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the first three episodes are out now. Oh, okay. Uh, USA and UK only so far. It, uh, am I just... I don't know if I dreamt this or like I'm just going completely bonkers, but isn't Nathan Fillion... Mm-hmm. Uh, from Firefly. In yes. Oh, okay, fantastic. Yes. Yeah. Nathan Fillion from Firefly and Laura Bailey, who I believe is in Critical Role. Yeah, Laura Bailey, yep. Nice. And other Very people, cool. obviously. But, um, yeah. yeah. I'm about to three episodes. Yeah, so I haven't played it. Yeah, so three episodes. It's based on the Dead Sons Adventure Path, uh, USA mm. and UK. Um, you just <laughs> begin it by telling the device to play the Starfinder game. <laughs> I keep having to say this without saying their name. <laughs> There's some uh, roll twenty usage stats. Okay, yes. Pretty much exactly what you'd expect. Um, there's been quite a big boost during the pandemic for everybody. Yes. Uh, Virtual D- tabletop is very popular. Yeah. D and D is way at the top as usual with fifty three percent of campaigns. Ooh. Nice. The, the next highest one is Call of Cthulhu with 8.4%, and then Pathfinder with 4%. So that's how much of a big gap there is between the D&D and the next highest. i I got to say, I'm really impressed by Call of Cthulhu. That's, that's some big numbers. Mm. Yeah, I mean, no, Call of Cthulhu is doing incredibly yeah. well at the moment. Over the yeah. last year, they've had quite a massive kind of resurgence. Very popular. Mm. Nice. Yeah, good yeah. on them. Um, are, are you also- doing anything on Roll20, Rich? I um not doing any campaigns. We are putting together the uh, Esper Genesis game on Roll20 mm. currently. Um, Wizard of the Coasts, New Unearthed Arcana. Yes. Two subclasses. Mm. Have you had a look? Well, well Rich, you're, 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 you're a guy who I think I can safely say really likes his D&D. Yes. Yes, very you, much. You, you, uh, you've, you've, got, you've got your fifth edge shelf. And then you've got I can your... see it behind you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well there's, there's another couple of shelves, because I did actually ask before yeah, the podcast. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a prior edition shelf and a third-party shelf. Yeah, well, I've got those two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, so, so we're all steeped in the culture. Have you? Do you follow the Unearthed Arcana? Uh, I, I do. Uh, the... I, I did take a look at the, the, the subclasses. Uh, I usually get to, to 
brush across them before actually reading. I, I didn't do the in-depth, but they actually look pretty good. I, I yeah. yeah, they're they're fairly interesting. Uh the probably my favorite one is the uh the the warlock uh oh, the undead. Yeah, the undead one. The yes. undead patron. Yeah, that that's that was a very interesting take on Yes. On what they did, but uh, mm. but other, yeah, other than that, you know, it, it was there are a couple of unearthed arcanas that are that are kind of I'll look at it and go, uh, okay, I don't know if they're going to actually put that into production, but this mm. one I can I can see. Yeah, oh, I, I mean, quite frankly, the undead, I would just swap in like in a seamless replacement of the undying because I I love the flavor of the undying warlock, but I'm just like I might as well not have it mechanically implemented. It's it's almost. Like, Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide would, would have been so good. It's got the Blade Singer and a couple of barbarian things, but, oh, the mm. Purple Dragon Knight. The, the, the Undying Warlock. So it's what, like, oh, what, mate, this what, is what, so was, what was the other class in there? Uh, Battle Rager. Battle Rager, yeah. Battle Rager? Oh, sorry. No, the other uh, class in the Unearthed Arcana yes. was the Spirit Bards. They're both subclasses. Uh, well, sort of. Yeah, the College of yeah. Spirits. Yeah, yeah. yeah. College of Spirits, yeah. yeah. Did you take I, a look I at that I didn't one? like that as much. I didn't like that as much by quite a long way. Mm. And not because I thought it was bad, but because I don't like the random. Right. Because uh, they're level three feature. Uh, do you remember how that works, Rich? Uh, I, I don't. Like I said, I, I, I just kind of... Yeah, just... Uh, yeah. I, oh, let me... Come quick. Yeah, I think it's basically... So you remember you remember a story mm-hmm. like with various themes like friends or warrior or something like that, and then you know that story in your head until your next short or long rest, mm-hmm. and you can then use it at a random time, but you don't know what your story will be before you roll for it. Uh, it's like it's 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 okay, but I would prefer something that I could actually rely on. If that makes sense, I think I might like that more than you then, because I quite like random stuff in my games. And that's why you're a monster. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I, I like to have control over my character and what they do and do not know. But yeah, I can I can see the point of random. Mm-hmm. People enjoy it, so why not? I don't know. I, the, the, that, that sort of thing is. It really depends on the game. Sometimes you know there there are a lot of games that that just call for that, especially if it's uh, uh, bards tend to be more of a social mechanic. So. Mm. That kind of thing, you know, happening in, in a regular social situation is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like having the right story. I mean, but there's always the problem when people play bards that, like, a certain sort of DM says, "Ah, oh, now to get your bardic inspiration, role play how you do it." And it's like, no one has ever, ever asked me to role play how I hit someone with a halberd, which is a big shame because I'm actually perfectly up for that. They should. Uh, they should yeah. provide you with a halberd and make you demonstrate. We used to do that. Actually. <laughs> we used to in our in our game. If we rolled like a nineteen yeah. or a twenty, like our our DM was like, "All right, well, you have to flavor text it." Like, <laughs> well, we do the "How do you kill him?" things. You know, <laughs> yeah, if, if you kill oh, yeah. someone, you ask someone how, how that happened. But we don't do it for yeah, every how, how, how no, no, I mean like actually having a halberd and showing how you'd actually use it because that's like. Yeah, that would be the equivalent. The, 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 the thing is, so in, a d- bar, in a D&D a campaign, you hit things an awful lot of times, and that would start to get a little bit boring and samey, I think. Excellent cardiovascular work, by <laughs> <laughs> must recommend. If you hit stuff as often and as quickly as your D&D character does, then you're getting a, a good workout. Well, it's a couple of but times every six seconds, isn't it? We're going to get into that tangent about hits and hit points work. Well, yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah. Oh, 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 okay. That's not <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so yes, I, I thought I I, thought, I looked upon it favourably. The, the College of Spirits less so, but the undead patron, yeah, that looks pretty good. You can ch- sort of change your form. Mm. Like every patron gets like a special shtick that they can do. Like the fiend, you get extra hit, yeah. temporary hit points. Yeah. The archfey gets like a globe of confusion about them, and the hexblade gets every single martial ability. Swords and shield proficiency, and a hexblaze curse, and and just like a load of stuff mm. because reasons. Um, but yeah, they you can temporarily t- turn into like an undead sort of creature that looks quite scary, like a shroud of shadows or robes of your leech patron, which I imagine will be hilarious on halflings. Mm. Uh, sorry, because it used to be really big, they'd be sort of lost in them, and it'd be so cute, cute but scary. Anyway, sorry, I digress. And when you do that at six level you sort of can basically double your damage as long as you're using necrotic so ironically the undead patrons really not very good against undead because they're mostly immune to necrotic oh never mind it's unfortunate isn't it it is a little unfortunate that's like sort of like was it is it dragons was it I'm trying to remember so there was this this thing about white dragons being immune to cold damage Mm -hmm. makes sense and there was a reason why that was a bad idea, and I can't remember what it was now. Oh, yeah, because everything, everything, yeah, but everything that in Arctic campaign settings always yeah. seems to do cold damage. Yes. So basically, white dragons are basically immune to everything, but you would think that things would evolve so that they could actually hurt each other. Ah, yes. So basically, yeah. if you've got everything up in an Arctic setting being A, immune to cold damage, and B, doing yeah. cold damage... You've got, you've got no ecology at all. You've got some slashing damage as well. <laughs> well but it's just like one big slap fight up there. Yeah. And, 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 and also, to be honest, it sounds like you put a lot more thought into the setting than the people who wrote it. Like, <laughs> I was about that, to say, yeah. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I think it would be, honestly, it would be stranger, I think, if you're in an Arctic campaign and you like walk into like an ice cave or something and the thing in front of you breathes fire and you're going, well, that's new. Yeah, I suppose that's going to melt his own cave, isn't it? It turns out it's actually a red dragon. They just like wear a lot of white body paint. Or or it's like in your car in the morning. Oh, you probably won't understand this, Rich, but like, yeah, sometimes when your cars and one get frost on them, they go all white. Oh, yeah. I'm a a, uh, northerner. uh, Ah, I knew you were going to Just been down here for a little while. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, it's like, yeah. So so basically the dragon's got a coating of frost on it. Like, ha-ha. Oh, no, it's not a white dragon. It's actually a red dragon. Oh, you like a bit of Eberron, don't you, Peter? Has been, though. Yeah. Um, How about you, Rich? Do you like Eberron? Yeah. Eberron's great. Yeah. Everyone uh, likes I mean, Eberron. You know, it's no sci-fi setting, obviously, but you know, it's, it's, it's moving in the right direction. Yeah. It's, it's, Technology you, makes life better. Have you seen yeah. the map of the planes? Map of the planes? Mm. Is it very flat? <laughs> so this is from, you know, the new Eberron source book that's just come out? Yes, the Keith, guy, yeah. Keith Baker's um, Everyone's Source yeah. book, and which it's he's coming on Eberron. next week Ooh. to talk about, and also he's going to be giving away three hardcovers. Is it to three listeners who can answer his very, very difficult, obscure Eberron law questions? If Keith Baker says they're obscure Eberron questions, I'm inclined to believe them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope they're not so obscure that they only exist in his notes. <laughs> they have to be published somewhere. But, um, but anyway, I, I do digress. The reason I mention the map of the planes is that there is a map of the planes in that book, but you can buy it separately. Ooh. Ooh. And this is from artist Marco Ber- Bernardini. 
Uh-huh. And he created the map of the planes um, in the Everyone Source book, and it's a very colourful, very, very pretty map that I, you can really imagine putting up on your wall. And you can grab Ooh. it from the DMs Guild in full, big-scale print resolution so, and print it out really big. And it is nice. gorgeous. Ooh. Have you seen that it? That sounds pretty cool. No, I haven't. Oh, map of the... I thought you were saying uh, map of the planes. I was saying got... map of the planes. But <laughs> you're in a different with, type what of more eye. You, you know they have like obviously familiar has your with the everyone setting the rest. You know that they have uh, what's it the Zabara planes, which are quite important and quite large. Most settings have planes. Yeah, I was like, well, what's... they're not an unusual feature of a D and D setting. Oh, that's really cool. So it's like like all Dalcor and yeah, well, so I know uh, meh. Where's um, where's Dalkia? Uh, Kifri, uh, Zoria, Richia. Yeah, okay, so it's more like a bunch of pictures and you've got like your dragon lying across there. Oh, okay, that looks pretty sweet. Um, good way to have all the... Uh, it's a nice piece of art, actually. Oh, yes, yeah, so you've got um, the map of the world at the background with Corvair up top and um, oh, Zendrick down bottom. Yeah, looks nice. Hmm. Hey, breaking news. 19, 19 minutes ago, this just came in. Oh. We were, you know, we oh. were talking about the Hellboy RPG earlier. Yes. Character sheet. Oh. oh okay. Yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're, 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 you're inside man as a poster character sheet. Character sheet has just come in. So it's, yeah, it's obviously a D and D fifth edition character sheet for a yep. character called Mona Samaha May. It's quite small, which is why I'm squinting at the screen here. It's not a full size. Okay. A detective in the Vietnamese police. I can't read all the little text, unfortunately, but, uh, so... bigger, do a screenshot. So you've got six different BPRD roles, which are classes to choose from. What's BPRD in Hellboy? Uh, Bureau of Paranormal... Research Development? Yeah. That sounds like the sort Research and Division. Okay. I used to know that's off the top of my head. Yeah. Well, one of the pre-generated characters, this is the character sheet, one of the pre-generated, but it's quite small and I can't read it all. Bureau for Paranormal Research and Defense. Yeah. There okay. you go. Okay. Okay, well, where are we? So, where are we? You can play as legendary agents like Hellboy, Abe, Sapien, Liz, etc. in the role-playing game. The most fun will come from creating your totally new BPRD rookie. There are plenty yeah. of origins, formerly known as races, to choose from, mm-hmm. including Remarkable Human, Cursed, and Ghosts. Yeah. And you can also change up your Remarkable Human by slowly adding in Cursed abilities or even developing psychic mm. powers. Oh, nice. Yeah. I'm glad they've taken races out. That seems like a very sensible thing. Well, everyone's, everyone's going to do that now that Wizards of the Coast has done it. Yeah. Basically, yeah. if, you're, if you're the market leader, you set the trend, don't you? That's how it works. Mm. So expect expect so, the word race to disappear from RPGs nice. completely. About pretty much. Too. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, uh, new Hellboy character sheet. Does it, uh, is it just like the, is, there's no particular branding or logos on it yet? Yeah, it's, yeah. There's a, a logo in the top right hand corner of it. Okay. Hellboy right, logo. That's good. Yeah. Uh, right, what else have we got in the news? We've got some Curse of Strahd pre-painted minis. Curse of Strahd pre-painted minis? Yeah. So you know they're releasing the various boxed sets of Curse of Strahd? Yeah, that's right. We... Uh, they had a coffin-shaped box and Beedle mm. and Grimm's non-coffin but somewhat nicer box set. Mm. <laughs> it looks super cool. I'm, I'm actually Curse of Strahd is something I'm surprised I didn't do more... Or yeah, everyone loved yeah. Ravenloft. Yeah, and, and Curse of Strahd, I think, I still think to this day is their strongest um, oh. adventure. 
Okay. It's sort of a sandbox sort of thing, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, uh, so WizKids uh, have put up for pre-order a Legends of Barovia set. Seven Ooh. plastic pre-painted miniatures. Okay. Uh, and in the box you get, you get Mr. Strahd himself. It's Count Strahd, it's not Mr. Strahd. <laughs> <laughs> Duke Strahd. Uh, he's, he's not he's not on the borders Barovia is surrounded on all sides that's not how you play at first when you get the sun sword he then becomes Mr. Strahd <laughs> yeah. yeah or hey you watch your face yeah. <laughs> there's also Madam Madam Eva yes there's Rudolf Van Richten 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 yeah. oh yes yes he's an important character uh, Israel de, de Venier Hildwick the second, yeah. Uh, Baba Lysaga, who scary. is not a carbon copy of Baba Yaga at all, or even slightly at all. Legally distinct from Baba Yaga. Doesn't need to yeah. be legally distinct because Baba Yaga is like hundreds of years old. A character <laughs> from Pokemon. I know. I'm mongrel yeah. folk. Mm. That's uh, sort of referring to hybrid people. Monster things, mm-hmm. people, animal monsters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. Yes, I'm tempted to pick those up. Actually, I quite like them. I like the Strahd miniature definitely, but it is like thirty four ninety nine for the box. That's quite a lot for seven miniatures. That's five. That's about five pounds ago. Yeah, uh, that's quite expensive, yeah. isn't it, for pre painted plastic minis? Um, it depends upon the quality of the sculpt and so forth. I mean, they don't—they don't look like they're terribly sculpted, mm. um, and pre-painted is quite nice. So, do they? Yeah, depends on whether they're using the sort of production methods that Hero Forge have, and they've like actually uh, printed them in colour. Have you have you seen that, Rich? Like, you can actually print three D print coloured plastics. No, I didn't even know that was possible. Oh yeah, it was like a huge Kickstarter this last year, and they're. Oh, okay. they're, they're Hero Forge are tooting themselves up for it because, of course, they are. But yeah, I mean, that's that's gonna beat pre-painted or uh, plastic figures quite quite heavily, I should think. Though, obviously, higher costs get set up. But yeah, very cool. Hmm. That's super cool. I'm still trying to get myself a 3D printer, but uh, you know, mm-hmm. I have to convince okay. my wife. <laughs> oh well, well, my wife was like back to Kickstarter for a 3D printer. I think we're in the fifth year. <laughs> still waiting for it. I like. Maybe, maybe yeah. we should get just buy a 3D printer if you want. It's like, no. Talking, talking, talking. It's on Kickstarter. Talking of uh, long, long waits for Kickstarter deliveries. Yes. Do you know what the opposite of that is? Uh, an Ian Will Kickstarter. An Ian Will Kickstarter. So, you know, the um, my Kickstarter ended last Friday. Yes. So, mm-hmm. I sent out the PDF rewards. Personal yes. record, two minutes it took me. From the uh, Kickstarter ending to all the PDF rewards going out, two minutes. That's, that's four. Right. That's four. I put up two yeah. sets of two fingers. That's four. Two minutes. I know this counts two. That's out of two. three. Oh, yeah. I yeah. did experience that. I saw the email. I was like, wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, There's yeah. stuff here. And the yeah. uh, hardcovers on Monday morning, I uh, placed the uh, print order and paid for it. Nice. So that's been done. So my part in that Kickstarter is done now. It's, I'm literally just waiting for the printer to print the hardcovers, send it to the fulfillment partner, shippers, and for them to send them out. I'm done. It's brilliant. Yeah. Oh, that, that, we, that Rich's expression is not that sort of thing. We all wish we could do such a thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I do love that when I finish a Kickstarter, I don't have to worry about it for the next year or two from all these stretch goals that people do and people are waiting for two years for their books and stuff. I'm so glad I don't have to do any of that. Uh, and, and bearing it with all the patience and fortitude for which role players are so well known. Yes, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I've actually announced my new Kickstarter. It's launching oh. on September the 1st. Oh, oh. Uh, what's that it's one It's a small Kickstarter. It's a quick starter. It's going to be two oh. weeks only. Yes. Digital only, no physical product. And it's 65 oh. enchanted trinkets for your 5th edition games. Oh, yeah. Yes, I have actually seen that. Yeah, that looks quite good, actually. Yeah. So they're just little minor objects. None of them's going to break your game. You're not going to kill Strahd okay. with one of them or anything like that. There are no sun swords in there. There's no, no, no Excalibur. No scroll of Tras summoning. <laughs> no, no, oh, oh, no it's, it's 65 <laughs> scrolls of Tras summoning. <laughs> oh, so I suppose it deletes my campaign. <laughs> scroll of 65 Tarask summoning. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, they've hit level six. I'm a bit bored that's, now. Yeah, that's all for the follow-up. The follow-up product. The follow-up. Yeah, yeah. Hope they don't read the, the fine print too carefully. The Trask is not necessarily friendly to the summoner. Yeah. Well, it's just it's just 65 minor little items that just spice things up without having sort of major combat effects. Yeah, oh, that sounds amazing. Yeah, and it's it's gonna be like uh, five dollars to back it or something like that. And it's, uh, <laughs> it comes in five PDF totals, so it's basically five, a dollar per PDF. Pay for, mm-hmm. You pay a fiver and you're done, and you'll just get them two weeks later. Sounds nice. Hmm. But less about me, much as I like talking about myself. <laughs> um, Pathfinder, they've announced a new book. A new book? A new book coming in 2021. God, blimey. They just, didn't they just release 20 at Gen 15, Fox, yeah. Like 15, yeah. Oh. Uh, so this is called. I don't, I don't know how they keep it up. Oh, it's like, yeah, do they have all the people chained to the desk or something? I guess they must. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is called Secrets Quite of Magic, and it includes, amongst other things, presumably two new classes. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of which is the Magus, which is like a fighter mage type. Mm, okay. And the other is the Summoner. Mm-hmm. And uh, the thing that you summon with the Summoner advances along with you. Oh, okay. And that is coming out in 2021, but there's a playtest coming in September this year. Right. Running through to October. So if you want to get in on that, you can can sign up, get get hold of it, and playtest the two new classes. I'm going to start learning those Pathfinder 2nd edition rules. (laughs) It sounds like they've got a lot of of lovely things there. Um, Right, there's only a a last couple of little bits of info, and then we're probably done. So um, we have... Do you remember... Well, I'm sure you remember it. Did you like Star Trek Enterprise, the TV show? Was that with Scott Bakula? Yes. That yes. yes. I liked it a lot more than a lot of other people did. Uh, I didn't make it through the show. Yeah. And I, first, I am first a trackie. Two, first two seasons drag mm. a lot. Uh, once you That's get a long to... Time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the second season's not, not that... Once you get towards the end of the second season, I guess, I, I think the showrunners took uh they had new showrunners for the show mm. okay. and they did like a season three and four which were vastly different yeah. from uh the first two seasons it was actually really good i enjoyed it a lot mm. except for the very very last episode yes you i've seen, very I've happy seen the last watching, episode yeah. Yeah, yeah you can be very happy watching the entire show without watching the last episode and it ends just fine anyway the whole the whole reason i brought it up was because uh modifius have yes. released the characters Ah, um, for yes, the crew yes, okay. of the uh, of, of the Enterprise in that series, which you can download. Mm. 
Fantastic. So you can do old Star Trek pre-Starfleet? Yeah, that? I guess. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Okay, nice, yeah. Yeah, yeah so uh, it's got Archer and it's got all of them and, you know, just, just as pre-generated yeah. characters. Yeah. Okay. It's time to play our favourite game. It's time to play the game. Our favourite game in all the world. Guess the Kickstarter from just the name. Anyway... Uh, shall we shall we play our favourite game in all the world? I roll for initiative. <laughs> Wait, no, okay. Our favourite <laughs> game in all the world is the game where I read up the name of a Kickstarter and you guess what it is from just the name. Okay, well now you've heard the title, oh, you've also had the rules recap <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and then I give you a highly scientific score, which is totally, totally fair and scientifically calculated. Oh, yeah. Totally fair. Totally scientific. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we will call these points. <laughs> yes. Interesting. All right, Peter. So, uh, when... We'll start with you, because when Egg yes. Embry mentioned this on Facebook, I don't know if you saw it, my reply to him was, there is no way Peter's going to guess this from just the name. So... Let's find out, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> and Egg well, Embry's yeah. reply was minus one million points, Peter. So. I feel personally attacked. <laughs> Damn. Okay, fine. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see. Okay. Would you have got it from the name? No. no. Absolutely okay. not. No. Well, to be fair, that's that's why you're that's what that's what that's why we have our relative stickers. Okay. <laughs> you, you assign the points. <laughs> right, are you ready then? Are you ready, Peter? Let's go. Right. So, uh, Rich, just watch Peter. This is this is how not to win. (laughs) Don't do what I do. Like, you know, do something good instead, and you'll be fine. Okay. Okay, Okay. Peter. What is inspirals? Inspirals. Inspirals. Think of the word inspiration. Take away Asian off the end of it, and put the word Isles. As in, not supermarket aisles, but islands. Inspirals. Oh, huh. Hmm. Inspirals, the game that I would like it to be, is set in a vast and sort of semi-mythic ocean composed of a sort of a dream matter. And the island and the game consists of island hopping between like these sort of dream slash um, inspired islands that are created by the troop working together and then you go to these various islands and adventure upon them and it's sort of like a monster of the week but it's an island of the week instead and um i think this favors narrative based gameplay so even the original system or maybe uh powered by the apocalypse uh potentially and bum 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 Inspire Isles. Yeah, and basically a major theme of the game is exploration and uh, finding new stuff. Yeah. There was, to be fair, there was no way you were going to get this. No. I would never have got this either. That's the game I want to play. <laughs> what, what was the, you what, might like this. You might like what it is too. You might like what it is too. I might. I might. So we'll I'll, give you, we'll I'll give you two points for guessing that it's an original system. I'm not going to give you any points for mentioning islands because that's just literally in the title. That is which is a bit obvious. Yeah. Um, so what this is... Okay. So, it's based on Celtic folklore. You play teens, 
gifted with extraordinary towers, uh, uh, towers, powers, not towers. Oh, but Ruff, I know what this is. This is the one where you're learning sign yes. language. Yes, it is designed um, to teach British and American sign language. Oh. Yes. Oh yes. No, it's, it's okay. quite good. My wife was pointing out the Kickstarter to me. She wants me to run it. Hmm. I actually spent some time reading through it. So, so not yeah. only not only did you fail to guess what it is, you failed to guess what it is despite actually knowing what it was. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. <laughs> I think so I'm going like, to take those two points away from you for that, Peter. Thank you, man. It's such a promising concept for a game, but it just sounds really worthy in execution. I'm like not sure whether it'd be any fun to run for people who aren't teams. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, like, there's so much stuff to it. Like the having animal spirits and the very best of the Insurals people go and find... Your, your teens in the real world mm. and then taking them back and forging like friendships and alliances because you like you don't really have hit points per se but like you form um like friends friendship groups and like you know uh, use your empathy to so you seem to know quite uh, a bit about people. this yeah yeah well i, I read the mm. kickstarter quite closely it's just like the name means nothing to yeah, me yeah okay um unfortunately. do you know what the difference is between <laughs> british and american sign language then because it says it's got both learn british and american sign language as you cast spells and yeah. solve puzzles they're, they're pretty different they've got like very different vocabularies yeah. and like because the signs are different their languages evolved from the different communities yeah like nobody they they sort of like spontaneously devolve evolved them so yeah you've got like different languages different sign languages all around the world. Yeah, okay. someone's come in and externally taught it, because that's... Yeah, how so, so there isn't a unified sign language at all? No, no, no not at all. Ooh, no, no, okay. You can't learn, like, sign language. It's like, you can't learn language. Yeah. <laughs> you can learn <laughs> a language. Yeah, I get you. I got you. Well, then, I think it's Rich's turn. <laughs> yes, Rich. So, Rich, zero got, points to beat. Zero to beat. <laughs> yeah. I believe you, Rich. Uh, you watch. I will get a negative something. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I don't think you will. I think, I you'll, I think you'll get some points here. Okay, are you ready? Yeah. Okay. okay. What is a dragon flight? Dragon flight. Okay. Uh, well, okay. Uh, first question. It's my first time playing this one. Mm-hmm. Is uh, is this games only or yeah, is this RPG just stuff, in general? Yeah. RPG stuff. Okay. Uh, dragon flight. Uh, I'm going to guess it's a an RPG uh, where. Uh, I, I guess the game I would I would think it would be would be sort of uh, being a a dragon rider, like having a uh, a companion dragon, or or you know something along those lines in in a, in a setting that has you know your your sort of Aragon type of thing. It's my wild guess. So pretty close. So it's for D and D fifth edition. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it's about playing dragon characters. Or building oh, like, dragon NPCs for your campaign. So it's, it's like Council of Worms. Kind yeah, of thing. Council of Worms kind of crossed with Draconomicon, I guess. Okay. Uh, it looks actually quite interesting. Uh, Fantasy's yeah. most iconic yeah. creatures deserve more than a few pages in a monster compendium. This tome of draconic knowledge. Yeah, I, I, I quite like the look okay. of this one. How was it doing? 62, 62, nearly $63,000 of a $15,000 goal. One week That's to go. Right. So it's doing really, really well. Uh, I just like, does anyone else remember the Anne McCaffrey book? Yeah. There is, in fact, one called Dragonflight. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I actually get behind riding a dragon and burning murderous Fred monstrosity alien things out the sky. I'm, <laughs> I can't like it. <laughs> Teleporting dragons. 
like why why would you get why would you fly from A to B like some sort of peon when you could just teleport instead? Well, in that case, why would dragons even bother having wings if they could teleport? Because <laughs> they can look awesome <laughs> and do amazing flying, Russ. Because why not? But they don't need to fly but, if they can teleport. Teleporting's better than flying. Teleporting is better than flying, but sometimes you just have to like flap through the air, looking majestic. <laughs> it's about the styling, Russ. It's about styling. Or you but have to I, combo. I you have to teleport while you're flying, and then all of a sudden, whoa! Where did you go? This guy gets it. Rich knows what. Fair enough. Right. Yeah, Fair <laughs> it's like that's, that's that's half the excitement. It's like flying through the air. Something's coming forward. You're like, oh no, I'm not here. I'm over here. Now be on fire. Mm. And that's pretty awesome. Well, I think I have to declare Rich the winner of our favorite game in all the world this week. Or well, having got the succeeding. You've had you've had score. you've had a good run recently, actually, Peter. You've won I've for had, a few weeks I've in a row. Run. So uh, yeah. I don't think you should feel bad about someone someone managing to beat you for. Hooray, I win something. <laughs> this is a rare, Hooray, rare yeah. moment. <laughs> uh, Hooray, well sadly, there's no prize, but still. You have a smug sense of self-satisfaction. Welcome all to this open day for the world-renowned Bardic College of Insults. I'm your guide today, Bartholomew Grisenberg III. I hope that after your tour, you will choose to join us in this most vulgar of pursuits. Um, I have a question. What is it, sir? I shall do my best to satisfy your curiosity. Well, what exactly is the Bardic College of Insults? That is a terrible question, sir. Sorry? Just a little display of our prowess, sir. A little jibe, or... Insult, as it were, you contemptible fool. I see. The Bardic College of Insults, my sodden-witted friend, is a fine institution where we teach our students how to show their contempt of their foes. Show their contempt? Yes, you foul-spoken coward. Our students learn how to cut down their enemies with a biting remark, demoralise them with a withering put-down, or snub them with a slight want. And that works, does it? Look, you toe-rag. The tongue is indeed mightier than the sword. I think you mean the pen. Oh, yes, you toad-faced insect. The pen is mightier than the tongue, but the tongue is mightier than the sword. Hmm. Can I see this obscure art form in practice? Certainly, sir. All part of the tour, you clay-brained gut snipe. Here, we have Rufus, our newest recruit. He is practicing the lowest-level arts in our repertoire. Hey. You big meanie. Oh, you smell. I rubber, your glue. Hmm. I remain unconvinced. Those are just the introductory level insults, you feeble-minded, scurvy-clad dimwit. Right, right. Over here we have the French exchange students practicing their own brand. Something about elderberries and hamsters. I never did quite understand the French. Quite so. Vous parlez français comme une vache espagnole. Now here we have an intermediate class. Bertram is being taught in sort of a more Shakespearean level. Ooh, I'd love to hear them. Certainly, Assface. Oh, sorry, that was not a good insult. No, I should hope you could do better than that. Anyway, Bertram, take it away. Thou eater of broken meats, you saucy lackey. Thou art not worthy another word, else I call thee knave. That's certainly better, but I can't see how it would be useful in a fight. Well, that's because we haven't shown you the best yet. Then show me, you meaningless ox, for I grow weary of your dribbling babble. Oh, nice one. Very good, sir. Thank you. So this is Eddard. He's our top student. The insults he is being trained to wield are so dangerous that you will need predictive earmuffs before you hear them. Really? Indeed. 
These insults are so severe that they come with a health warning, and we pack them with several layers of bubble wrap. I'm intrigued. Well, well, show me what you've got, Eddard. You of how you I shall for your My goodness, it's barbaric! There are treaties forbidding that sort of thing. I did warn you, sir. Now, do you wish to enroll? That sounds perfect. Where do I sign up? Ah, very good. But first, we must give you the grandest of all insults. Oh, really? What's that? Your student loan. <laughs> right then, I think it's time that we talked all about Rich and Espergenesis. Because the Master Technician's Manual just came out, and that's yeah. like, yeah, that's a big deal. It is not. It's, it's coming out. I'm working on it. <laughs> <laughs> is is the is the response I I, I give to uh, to a lot of people? Yeah, I think uh, I, 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 I reviewed some bits of it uh, about three weeks yes. ago, didn't I? Was it three weeks ago? Yeah, we have, a, uh, we have a st- uh, preview for starships, mm. and we have a preview for for gear, mm. uh, oh. which. Uh, I, I, I actually did kind of a kind of a, a double duty with um, the the concept for the gear was it had to be done from the ground up because sci-fi doesn't use magic items so uh, so I kind of had to put, uh, put together a system where you can modify the gear you know turn some things into mods and then have pieces of gear that you can customize so that it upgrades with you as you as you go up mm. in level. So, so something you get at level one, you could like level it up as you go with you. Yep. Mm. I mean, yep. that does sound a lot cooler because like, you know, in like traditional fantasy games, it's like you start off with the sword of your father and then that just goes straight out of the like, So plus, just, plus just uh, so let me one. interrupt for a moment. We should probably give our listeners a little bit of context and tell them what Espogenesis is. Yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, we always do this, we dive so into some nitty-gritty detail about the topic <laughs> without introducing it. And the listeners are like, what, what am I talking about? Uh, yeah, that's right, rich? I don't know. What I mean. <laughs> Where am I? I don't know who you are. Framing the conversation is an important thing. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, Genesis basically is um, a sci-fi RPG powered by D and D Fifth Edition. It's the short version. Yeah. Uh, we've got yes, computers and alien species and like spaceships mm. and all sorts of things and and the whole quite a lot of stuff. Which I, I must say, I didn't I didn't really understand what it was until I actually like got hold of it. But like the Alien Archives is sort of analogous to a monster manual and it's full of like you know creepy alien creatures and so forth. Ah. Pretty, uh, pretty yeah, nice. we're, we're, we're Threats Database. Alien Archives is Starfinder. But. Threats Database. Like, <laughs> sorry. Peter does that all the time. It's like words. I can remember the concepts. It's like, yeah, it's like you've got some pretty cool stuff. I've never read the Alien Archives. plugging an entirely different game in the middle of the conversation. So you've got the Threats Database, which is very exciting. But it's quite an artist for Monster Manual. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, we we have our we have two we have two books out. We have uh, the core yes. manual, yes. which is basically your player's handbook, and then we have the yes. threats, which is your which is your monster. Aspergenesis yeah. uh, yes. is. Uh, uh, people ask me if it's like a, a supplement or something. It's not. It's it's actually no. a standalone mm-hmm. fifth edition uh, game. You know, yeah. uh, uh, quick, you know, D, D, yeah, D and D five E in space yeah. with mm. no 
no space elves or space goblins. It's all no. new alien species. And, I absolutely love uh, the cover to the Core Rulebook. It's gorgeous. Who, who did oh. that cover? Ha-ha. I have more than just oh, a D&D shelf on me. Lovely. <laughs> it's absolutely beautiful, that cover. Yeah, you got. I mean, if you could just hold it up, just so I can like give oh, a shout okay. out to the listeners. Sure. What we're going ooh and ah over because obviously you can't but see it. But you've got Ethogenesis. There's like a multi-limbed, like Cloverfield-esque size alien with like lots of red eyes shooting multiple lasers. Our band of hapless heroes who are just throwing up energy fields and shooting back. It's it promises yeah. full-on space adventure, space opera action. Mm. And I haven't had the chance to play it yet, but I'm hoping it will deliver. Mm. Awesome. Well, once, uh, we, we are, we are yeah. setting it all up on Roll20 right now, Ooh. so uh, there'll be an opportunity for everybody to play virtually as well, especially since a lot of gatherings are obviously dead, considering the, uh, <laughs> the current state of things. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it is, it is, it's, it is its, own, uh, its own game, powered by 5e, has its own setting, has its yes. own... You know, uh, so there you don't need D and D to play it, but at the same time, we also made it fully compatible with all of Five E. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, it's it's doesn't have its own, uh, you know, deconstructed rule system or whatever. If you want to take anything from D and D and stick it into the Esper Genesis universe, that's possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's got like a lot of mix and match, and Russ is a big fan of being able to mix and match fantasy and sci-fi. I do know. Yeah. Um, so, what, so, what sort of player options have we got available in? Mm. Some classes. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, so there are. I'm going. I'm going to use the term races. Okay. Uh, but uh, even yeah. even though we even though we do uh, what we basically did was we took the SRD and we kind of took the terminology out of the SRD mm-hmm. also. Yeah. But uh, but I, I do know that the uh, the term races is kind of something that we we just kind of took verbatim. And, uh-huh. and put into the game, mm-hmm. you know, we, we want to, we want to phase that out into, into something more akin to, to species. It's, they're, they're all aliens. <laughs> so it's, uh, or, or, or aliens to each other per se. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, but yes, there, there are, uh, eight new, uh, player races, species options mm-hmm. that are, uh, that are completely attuned to the setting itself. That's and as humans. And humans. Yes. Although there are four different types of humans. There are four. Oh, well, I mean, that's basically nearly 12, like, sort of species. <laughs> subspecies? Yeah. Uh. yeah. So, yeah, there yeah, there are subspecies. Mm. Uh, but, yeah. The, yeah, the humans, the humans, for example, have, uh, you know, they've, they've expanded, they've evolved. So you have, like, your, your standard Earthborn origin, and then you have the ones that uh, travel through space, and then you yeah. have the ones that live in, you know, the, the, the wastelands and mm-hmm. that sort of ah. thing. So we... Like, we, were uh, you born on a space station or like on some sort of dreadful ash planet? Exactly. All that sort of things you've got going on for you. Yeah, it's very exciting. Hmm. Uh, um, as far as the as far as the character classes, uh, there are a lot of interesting mechanically. A lot of uh, a lot of the classes work similar to a lot of the fifth edition classes. Yeah. So you know they they, yeah. they use terminology and rules to where you look at the classes and you go, oh well, you know, since I played you know, this class in D&D, then mm-hmm. this uses two of those different options from that class, I can play this. And it's it's fairly easy to understand, uh, but you, you do have uh, uh, scions and uh, engineers that are able to, you know, uh, create vehicles and robots mm-hmm. and do nice uh, tinkery things, and of course you have your, your warrior and your and your, your, your spy uh, specialist. You know, your yeah, yeah. specialist. Yeah. Uh, and and, and are sort of a 
paladin analogy. Yeah, I think. Sentinels, sentinels are very, are very paladin-like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is good. You know, they they're uh, they have a weapon bond that can mm. that's kind of like a, a techie, you know, yeah. sci-fi sort of weapon that they can you know attack with or shoot laser beams mm-hmm. from. Nice. And then, of course, you have your uh, your actual full on espers, which is like your uh, your cybermancer who right. sort of view, views the world in a very Neo from the Matrix kind mm. of way. I can sort of just yeah. manipulate everything like it's a program. Break up uh, the full and, ESP, and like mm-hmm. if you if you wanted to like be a full tech wizard, who would you? What would you recommend? A uh, full tech wizard. Yeah. Let me let me. Uh, let me think. I, I I guess I guess that's that's sort of uh, if if you want to put together like a, a a cybermancer would be one. Nice, uh, nice. You know, very 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 techno uh, focused mm. type of type of power use. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the the melder is sort of your overall um, esper power channeler. Mm. Well, what they do is they they take energy from from mm-hmm. one source and convert it and. And release it into right. into their into their power. So and, and well, you know they're you, you got at least two different types of tech wizard, and that's that's, oh, yeah. that's important in a yeah. sci-fi game um, and because the, how hard you want to make it is up to you. But yeah, yeah, nice. exactly. And they have, they have access to powers like uh, like they're you know they're able to to use their powers to to hack into machinery or, or to hack into drones and and to you can look at a computer from from like you know 60 feet away and create like a virtual display for yourself to use it yeah. or nice. you know some I, I mean you're you're really leaning into clark's law super heavily here yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely so. loving it and there's like a lot of different esper powers and yeah, Probably, there's just a lot mm, probably a, the 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 newest addition that's mm-hmm. out of D&D entirely are the starships. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the, the starships are yeah. I, I, I guess their own block, if you will. Yeah. And yes. it's and it's customizable based on the crew. Every every single person in the yeah. in the party becomes a crew member and depending on what your position in the crew is, your stats actually modify the stats of the ship right. that yes. you're operating. Uh, but we also made sure that the the uh, starship uh, combat and, and all of the interaction runs mm-hmm. at the same time as anything yes. on the ground. Mm-hmm. So that, that way you mm-hmm. can actually do things on your ship mm-hmm. uh, and then physically on your ship or or simultaneously with something mm-hmm. on land. It, it doesn't really take yeah. you out of the game. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Which is... Uh, so so uh, if the pilot's running cover for you, the pilot can really be running cover mm-hmm. for you. That's, that's correct. Which is true also. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Starship Combat uh, is often a pain point in these sci-fi games. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Main, main, the main reason for that is when you get uh, people just like... Basically strapped into a chair and saying, "Right, you're the navigator, and you can only do these two things." This, mm-hmm. this entire game session, you know, and that is a you know not not a great way to do it. I don't think. How how have you sort of approached it with 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 this one? What we wanted to do was we said, okay, uh, everybody has a role yeah. that they play on on the ship, but mm-hmm. we separated the role from the character mm. so that way they mm. don't uh they don't conflict with each other yeah. so that uh-huh. way you can be a character and you can be a crew member at the same yeah. time you know during one turn you can be a crew member and take your maneuver mm. and then you know if you have a border or whatever and you're one of the gutters and then you have to go and 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 deal with that or deal with some you know something happening on mm. the ship you can just take your next turn get up and be a character without ending the flow yeah. of anything happening yeah. 
on the yeah. ship. So you can sort of like um, go and start hunting down the saboteur down in the engine room or something while someone else right. is fine. Yeah. Because it all works in the, in the same time, I, I, I kind of imagined... Uh, I wanted to put together something where you could run the Battle of Endor mm. if you really wanted to. Where you have like a team on the ground and then a team in space, then like somebody else on a space station, and you can actually all run that at the same yeah. time and uh, not skip a yeah. beat. It take 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 a bit of editing, but definitely workable. I liked the fact that you've got sort of suggested uh, things with like some rules behind them for pilots, gunners, and technicians, like do doing different things, right? But also, you've really leaned into the fifth aspect, and you also have potential bonus actions you can do as well. Yes. Yeah. yeah. If if uh, if you have particular circumstances that come up, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you can also have reactions where you know your 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 pilot is doing something where you know the gunner or the technician will mm-hmm. you know they they can take a reaction or a bonus action to to either uh, affect or I guess uh, um, me- sorry stuff. Like yeah, you got, yeah, you, got exactly, sen- exactly. you got sensor jamming. Which is basically whenever I've been in a sci-fi game, and it's like, okay, we're going to do the starship section. I'm like, uh, okay, I don't really have anything I can do here. Can I jam their sensors? Mm. And then the DM pulls a face like this, which is if you imagine like a sort of a deer in headlights <laughs> or someone who's just realised that the light at the end of the tunnel is an oncoming train, like, uh, mm. like full something in the spotlight thing. And sensor jamming is like that sounds like a lot of fun mm. to me. Yeah. Like, yeah. If, if you watched any episode of Star Trek ever, you know, sensor yeah, jamming. I know, right? Yeah, you got to. Yeah. It would be rude not to, in fact. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> For the Master Technician's Guide, which is the... Mm. So, uh, let me let me uh, yes. go back to, to where we're. The, the Master Technician's Guide is the third book that we're... Um, yeah, so, so we you've got the core book and it you've is, got the threats database out so far. Yeah, yes. and the Master Technician's Guide is the equipment and ships book, is that? Yeah. Yep. The the threats database is your effectively your your sci fi mm-hmm. monster manual. Uh, it also gives you a a few creatures that can also face against uh, face off against your mm-hmm. ship, if uh, you know if you're so inclined. And mm-hmm. because it's a new setting, we uh, reserved a chapter in the back of the threats database that describes all of the major big bads of the yeah. galaxy. Nice. Uh, big organizations and how they're involved with each other and how they influence the game and you know ideas for the for the game master to to throw in and really flesh out the galaxy as mm-hmm. it is. The technician's guide is I I guess you know people are you know they're calling it the dungeon master's guide but it's not exactly that. Uh, it's we a, wanted it's to, analogous I feel, yes. but I I suspect you're probably going to have less. Well, these are the rules that we can be bothered putting into the main system. So it's right. less of a collection of afterthought appendices and is more it's, of a manual. It's more, yeah, it's, it's going to be more of a main focus mm. on, on the game. It is, it mm. is some, there are some extra rules mm. where, you know, it, it's, this is an optional rule that you can use, or this is an optional rule mm-hmm. that you can use. But at the same time, we wanted to do two things. Uh, we, we wanted to expand on some rules that we already introduced. We wanted to provide mm. Rules that you actually do need, like uh, like yeah. grand scale ship combats, mm. you know. So oh, you have yeah. you know ships as large as like the Galactica or the Enterprise, yeah. and yeah. we introduced uh, a captain's role Ooh, uh, nice. in the uh, that's that's in the the Starship preview that we introduced also, where the captain sort of has like um, like they have command dice, kind of like the the battle master, or you know, where they oh. just influence everybody's mm. reactions on the ship. Nice. Uh, we introduced the the gear system, the gear upgrade system. Right. Uh, yes. So what that is is 
you have mods that you can attach to to certain uh, to certain weapons mm-hmm. and armor. You have uh, ways, different ways to customize your gear, customize your armor, mm-hmm. and you have a uh, gear, I, I guess, leveling mm-hmm. system in in, mm-hmm. in a sense where uh, you use these powered devices called core stones, and mm-hmm. you can use these to either release esper powers from them. They kind of work like scrolls, mm-hmm. I guess, would be the uh, the, the mm-hmm. best analogy to use for D anD D. Or you can actually use them to upgrade your esper powered item and the the items have different features uh upgrading one will give it new abilities new uh new powers Mm. so uh, funny thing was i actually i looked at that and i said hey you know that kind of reminds me of what you mentioned right where you find your father's sword and or like the you know the sword from conan Mm. and you know it eventually it becomes the coolest sword ever but when you start with it eh You know, it's, it's not that mm. great. So I, I took that system, I reverse engineered it, mm. and that is, uh, I'm selling it on DMs Guild now. It's, it's called Armaments mm. of Legacy. So there's a fantasy version mm. of it. Oh, nice. That, uh, that's been on DMs Guild for about a yeah. week now. Well, Armaments of Legacy. Nice. Um, I shall have to check that out. That sounds pretty I'm still, I still can't get over the art for this game. I'm just looking through some of the pages in your website, and it's, it's mm. such good. Is it just one artist, or have you got a range of artists there? Because it's gorgeous. Uh, we have a few artists. We have we have one primary mm. artist. It's it's uh, it's uh, Santi Casas. Uh-huh. Uh, he's absolutely mm. brilliant. Uh, the, uh, you know, the two of us kind of sort of connected as, as to as to what we were looking for because, uh, you know, I, basically like any other setting, I, I wanted us just to have a certain mm-hmm. look. Uh, uh, so, you know, and, and, you know, follow a theme so that the art lends towards yeah. that. So that when yeah. you look at the art, you get the feel of what kind of, what kind of universe mm. it is. Uh, we yeah. have, uh, you know, a couple of other artists. We have uh, Jenny Akebush and Tan Sim. You know, they're, they're both, they're both uh, wonderful as well. They, I kind of show them Santi's art and I'm like, here, make something like this. And, mm. <laughs> and then they, they, they take their own spin yeah. on it. Yeah. And yeah. And, and you've got like a lot, there's a surprising amount of lore. I mean, I'm still trying to get over how densely packed the book is and, and still being kept at a manageable length. It's, it's quite, quite an achievement. It's set in the Silrain Arc, which is a region of space. Oh, Can you tell us sure. a bit more, like, like a little potted history about, like, you know, we're coming along as characters. So... What, what's going on? Uh... <laughs> All over the galaxy, there are these uh, space artifacts, mm. almost like moon-sized machines, that yeah. uh, that are called the crucibles. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, the crucibles generate uh, an, an infinite energy source that, uh, in huh. in futuristic society, everyone uses to power their ships and machines and, and, and things like that. Uh, the yeah. the espers, the people that channel esper powers, and uh, they they are attuned to these crucibles and they're able huh. to. You know, uh, alter uh, gravity, matter, and and things like that. Uh, the Silrain Arc, uh, the first crucibles that had activated, they resonate with each other uh, every every certain period of time, and uh, one that 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 surge of energy that they have is called the is called an arc bind. Which uh, okay. it, it's kind of like a an annual thing. It's how they measure like a year's worth of time. Okay. Uh, in in the galaxy, and the Silrain Arc is the is the arc of 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 the Crucibles. Like if you draw a line yeah, through the Crucibles yeah. that that had awakened, that becomes that that is the Silrain Arc. That's where all of the major species had had awoken like, as espers. Like the Ring of Fire, but with Crucibles right. instead of volcanoes. Yeah, mm. right. 
and, and they, you know they had become advanced society. I mean, over over that time, other crucibles have have popped up, and they've become sources of conflict and controversy, oh. and uh, a lot of things are, are happening around mm. them. But uh, but the main arc between all of those crucibles, which you can travel between them instantly. So mm-hmm. that that also became you know all of these planets in the arc became centers of trade, mm. centers of culture. Yeah, it's got it's a real like sort of making the galaxy sort of slightly smaller so everything would fit within. Yep. Yeah. So it's yeah it's it's turning the galaxy into a continent, right? Mm. You know, in in, in, a, in a sense, yeah. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we're bringing everything together. Yeah. So we had put in a lot of lore, and we put mm. in a lot of how the species interact with each other, and of course you have uh, the the communications, the intergalactic matrix that everyone communicates and, and does trade over, and because. All of this is available, of course. Mega corporations are going to be, you know, galactic mega corporations are going to rise, and they all specialize in their form of trade. And of course, they have their hands in everything, both uh, both good and bad. Uh, but for as much as much lore as we want to put in the game, we also wanted to leave room for people to make their own. There's millions of stars in the galaxy, yeah. so you know you can honestly put together an Espergenesis game with the rules that we have and create your own galactic setting and never even use the mm. Sorin arc because you could just be somewhere else in the galaxy that no one's ever heard of. And yeah. Um, so you've got like a lot of flexibility with what you do with it, mm. which is pretty amazing. And you've also started, which I, I, I personally found really attractive. You've got, it's not an adventure path, but it's like a set of sort of event adventurers league style modules. Yes. Uh, yes. it's, it's called the crucible core. Yes, and we started our our first season of that. It's it's yeah, it's a, it's a chain of linked adventures that follow uh, follow an overall storyline that eventually uh, changes certain things in the lore. Mm. Mm. The first season of it is kind of like our beta. Yeah. We're trying to we're trying to put together a uh, a more cohesive organized play system. Mm. And uh, so what we want to do is we want to come out with these adventures and then. Uh, at the end, we have sort of a storyline shift, mm-hmm. and the players' actions that happen during the adventures are going to influence what happens in the next season. So we have a, a sort of a, a sort of a living galaxy, you know, if you will. But we haven't we haven't implemented that system fully yet until we get all of the until when the master distance guy comes out and all the rules are available and everyone's oh. sort of able to get there. Uh, get everything together as as far as their characters are concerned. Then we yeah. we no longer have a beta, and then we can kind of yeah. go full stream with that. No, I, I mean we're just like sitting here looking at you impatiently. Yeah, it's it's it. taking it's taking a bit longer <laughs> than than usual to to, to come out. Uh, what we we've been trying we we've been going for quality over quantity. Is, course, is, yeah, the, yeah. is the thing. Everyone's like, when is, when is it coming out? When is it yeah. coming out? And I mean, you, you're cool, you, I wanted your core cool book came out in 2018, didn't it? And then the Space mm-hmm. Database was last year. So it's basically a book a year we're, we're looking at. Yeah, yeah, about yeah, a book so a year. yeah. yeah, we're, yeah we're planning on, on coming out with the Master Guide, Guide uh, hopefully within the, the next couple of yeah. months. Definitely before do, the do end you know, of the year. Do you know what next year's book is yet then? A, so that that's actually going to be some something okay. else that, I, <laughs> that I'm going to bring up. Uh, so the next big project that we're planning. Mm. Uh, so let me let me uh, go back and and state yeah. something that we're doing in the Master Technicians Guide is huh. we wanted to also create something that you can play in different types of sci- sci-fi genres. 
Oh, unlike okay. unlike fantasy, kind of has its its thing. There are tropes that are consistent mm-hmm. in fantasy. Sci-fi mm-hmm. is just all over the place. Very much. So, uh, there yeah. there are so many different types of sci-fi. Mm-hmm. So what we uh, what we wanted to do with the technicians guide is give GMs the option to say, "Hey, I want to make a, a sci horror mm-hmm. game, or I want to make mm-hmm. a a cyberpunk game, or a magic punk game, or or an anime mecha game, or you know all these different types of things." And, and sort of give them like a, a baseline of yeah. rules they yeah. can use to adapt uh, the core manual into into creating that. Mm. Um. Uh, that being said, because it's all integrated and because it's all compatible, the next big project, which uh, is going to be a Kickstarter that we're planning on launching within within the mm. next month, uh-huh. uh, is going to be called Expedition from the Mysterious Peaks. Mm. Yes, it sounds just like what it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> you see, that's, a, that's the sort of name I can get behind because I'm already excited. You said nothing about it. I'm already excited. It's like, oh, I want to go to the expedition to the Serious mm-hmm. Weeks. Yeah, I want to go to the expedition. <laughs> so it's yeah, it's it's yeah. going to be a a dual sided, uh, massive uh, adventure campaign that you you know uses the uh, the D and D fantasy, and it uses Espergenesis, mm. and it, it 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 works together. And, you know, a big storyline to, to, to make it brief, you know, you can kind of already infer from the title what it might be similar mm-hmm. to or connected to what possible expedition to a large mountain. <laughs> yeah. To, we know yeah, this is, this is, this is going to be kind of, kind of the spiritual sequel mm. to it, but from the sci-fi yeah. point of view. Yeah. That's a, that's a problem. That's uh, a problem. So, 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 so would players play both sides of that then? Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You, you have you have an you have an adventure. You have an adventure for your sci-fi Genesis yeah. characters, and then you have an adventure for your D and D five E. Wow, that's quite a fun idea. Characters I and and the yeah. and the, the the way we're going to integrate it is is that you know you you're going to play both mm-hmm. sides. Mm-hmm. You can you know integrate the characters if you want, and the decisions of 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 one end also affect the you know what happens in. Oh, in that the sounds half. fun. I like the idea that's of that. <laughs> So do you, so do you end I, up with like a mixed party at the end then with the two fantasy and sci-fi groups? Uh, I, I'm I'm going to say it's I'm going no to say spoilers. it's possible. <laughs> 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 Trying not to give away too much mm, as, to, as to what I'm I playing here. <laughs> so. yeah, I like Russ, who's a monster. <laughs> That's fun. I know, right? Yeah. Aspergenesis, in, in, in effect, was uh, the, the reason why I decided to go with the genre mm. thing is because the game is built off of a whole bunch of different types of genres. I had oh. a big sci-fi fan since I was yeah. a kid, so oh. I, I just, you know, took everything that I loved from Star Wars, Star Trek, oh. Battlestar Galactica, Mass mm. Effect, a uh, bunch of different animes that I watched, uh, uh, video games, Fantasy Star, and just sort of mashed them together yeah. into into something that would work and yeah. and paint a theme around it. So, yeah, if, if uh, it's really for, for anybody. If, if you love... Heroic space, you know, heroic space uh, adventure, mm-hmm. and you love D anD D, then that's yeah, yeah, yeah. That's who we made. So the how, game. how's it? How's it going for you? How's the? I mean, I don't know how well non fantasy D anD D actually does. Is it? Is it? Is it? Are you, are you happy with the with the response you're getting? Uh, yes. Well, we we've learned a lot of lessons. Yeah. <laughs> putting putting together the project. It was also it was also our first Kickstarter. Yeah, I'm mean, looking at the Kickstarter right. so now. Really yeah. ambitious as well. What you're doing. Um, it, so it's it started a lot smaller than 
than what it turned mm. out to be. Uh, I mean, it, this this is it's it's kind of a project that grew on yeah. its own, uh. and I just kept adding stuff to it. We we got really lucky as far as far as finding great artists and oh. and good art. We we each have our own set of skills. Mm. Um, while I was putting it together, I have uh, my business partner Brian, who has been doing uh, graphic design and layout for for a very mm. long time. And, uh, and, you know, he was a board member for mm. Gamma. So, you know, but we, he knew a lot of industry people that was, uh, able to give us advice and help us out. Uh, and my other business partner, Eric, who it was, uh, with Paradigm Concepts already had, you know, his experience with producing and, and writing games. And so, you know, he was able to do everything from the production side. So we kind of had our skills mm. together before mm-hmm. we had gotten the project started, which is why we were able to, to come out with something that, looked a lot better than we expected mm. it to. When we opened up the box and we saw the book, we were like, wow, did, did we do that? that <laughs> yeah, okay? I know. <laughs> yeah, no, your, your, graphic, your graphic designer definitely needs some props there because it's gorgeous looking. Yeah. It's absolutely lovely. So, yeah, we, oh. we, were, we were really happy with it, but you know, we also didn't... Uh, when we first launched the Kickstarter, it was hard to get the word out. Mm. So it was... We really... That, that's actually something I, I, I wanted people to understand because... Huh. Everyone is like, well, you know, come out with the book, come out with the book. Huh. We really only raised enough money huh. uh, at the time. We wanted to come out with three books. Mm. Uh-huh. We were able to, to produce the first. Mm. Uh-huh. Uh, we, we learned a lot as to what the costs are yeah. <laughs> towards, towards putting this together. And then we sort of slowly built the brand to come out with the second book mm. and then to come out with... Yeah with the third yeah uh but it's it's been surprisingly good mm. it's you know anybody that actually does hear about it and get into it you know they, they they're all really happy with it and i i couldn't i couldn't ask for more mm. uh, can, can i take uh, a second to call out the art for the rhodolite batera it's, <laughs> okay it's like it's sort of like a big dragon monster made of part godzilla part <laughs> brilliant purple crystal Oh, right. I don't. I don't know what it is, but it's amazing. <laughs> I mean, just wow. The um, Patera... It's the coolest looking dragon that isn't a dragon that I've seen. Uh, oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, love it, love it. Gorgeous. That's another Santi piece, actually. He, like I said, I, I described it, and he's like, "You mean this?" And I'm like, "Yeah, hmm. yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's it. much better than what I was thinking. Oh, we should go with it." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. The the Patera are um, primordial like oh. elemental sort of like dinosaur dragons. Mm. Uh, the offshoot of them is actually one of the species, one of the playable species, mm. the Madokai, mm. which are oh, your, okay. uh, you know, your, your honor bound samurai lizard, uh, people. <laughs> just your, just your average honor bound samurai lizard mm. people. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I, 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 I don't even know why to bring them up. <laughs> <laughs> so where, where where can we find where we, can we get Espergenesis? Uh, uh, I'm looking here. It says local game stores and drive through RPG. The both books are out in distribution right now. Yeah. So yes. uh, game stores that can get them can get them. Uh, if you want to get them online, they're also on Amazon. Sorry, our our partner uh, Studio Two. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can get them. You can get it directly from them. Uh, or like I said, you know, yeah, visit your local game store. Mm. You can find it there. Or if you want a digital version, uh, you can go through uh, Drive Through RPG. Yeah. We have uh, both books on there in PDF. And oh. very soon, 
Oh, and hopefully very soon mm-hmm. once uh, <laughs> once I get through all of the all of the kinks. Uh, actually, it's uh, the very first adventure, and uh, token set is available on Roll Twenty right now. Mm-hmm. We also have a character sheet on Roll Twenty. Uh, we're putting together the core manual as a compendium, yeah. uh, which will soon be followed by the threats database. So it'll also be on virtual tabletop fairly soon. Yes, the fall of the Eos Kildar. Fall Eos Kildar, yes. Yes, that's that's the that's it. Um, that was our that was our playtest. That that adventure had evolved over, over time because that was oh. actually the playtest for the original Aspergenesis rules. There was there oh. were no rules yet. Mm. Though, uh, oh, yeah. uh, so that adventure was free. It's still free now, oh. but now that the actual rules are out, it's been yeah. uh, it's turned into more of an intro. Uh, oh, okay, yes. No, it look, it looks really exciting, and as I say, I often find a good way to learn the system is by running modules for it. I yep. mean. After a while, I'm sure I'll get bored and say, oh, I can do this better. Because Hubris <laughs> is an important part of being a games boss, as you appreciate. <laughs> oh, yeah. I can't, uh, can't describe how many conversations I've had with, uh, you know, people that'll, that'll, they'll just start up and like, well, you know what, this is what I would do. And they'll, they'll, they'll just, you know, present yeah, all of the stuff. And I'm like, yeah, that's really nice mm. to say. Yeah, that's, that's great. Right? That's <laughs> great. Like appreciate the effort. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so your new Kickstarter, when should we look out for that? Uh, probably towards the end of this month. Okay, cool. Well, you know, since 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 you, yeah, we're we're going to to do uh, like the, the pre launch, mm. which was which wasn't available. It wasn't a thing when we first did Espergenesis at the time. <laughs> the whole pre launch thing that was not a thing. Yeah. You wish we had that. Yeah, you always. <laughs> yeah, no, you're. you're what, the, Too far ahead of the curve, man. What, what, the, the coming soon Kickstarter page is super useful. That. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So for for anybody that's watching this, the D and D in space it already existed. It has for two years. It's well supported as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, thank you so much for coming on, Mitch. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. So uh, you can pick up you can pick up your game from your local game store and from Amazon and from your own website, I believe. And your Kickstarter is coming later this month for for not Expedition to the Barrier Peaks. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I didn't yeah. say that. <laughs> uh, be, be, be sure to check out alligatoralleyentertainment.com to see more of Rich's work, because, I mean, we, we, we've tried, but there's like a whole bunch of stuff that you, you'll bring out, like uh, Witch Hunter, the Demon Bay Chronicles, which I'm, I'm pretty interested in, but we just don't have time to talk about it right now. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. Genesis sounds amazing. I'm looking forward to reading it. Yeah, me nice. too. Thank me you. too. Thank you very much for having you me too. on. Thank, thank you so you. much You're for coming on. Very welcome. Uh, so thank you everybody for listening. Next week we have got Keith Baker, who's going to come on and talk about his new Eberron Source book and give away three hard covers to three Ooh. lucky listeners who managed to answer three obscure Eberron law questions that he'll be asking so make sure you tune in next week make sure you listen and make sure you get your answers in as soon as possible uh, and until then it's goodbye from me Russ and it's goodbye from me Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild Role Players goodbye from me Ritz Lesterflair from Alligator Alley Entertainment apparently I now have to read this to you this is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon.
In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. Mm, that's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here. Right. Would you would you like to hear some RPG news? I suppose it's the right venue for that sort of thing. Yeah, being an RPG news podcast. We make yeah. this joke every week, don't we? I mean, I'm sure our listeners are getting bored it's of that. I, I, I suppose even, I could stop making the joke. But it's not even a good joke. It's a terrible joke. <laughs> because certainly for repetition, that's my theory. Yeah, yeah. The more often you tell a joke, the funnier it gets. It is definitely oh, true. Exactly. It reminds me of this word I invented. Plagiarism. <laughs>